What's going on, everybody? This is Drew here. I want to welcome you on to a brand new episode of Phoenix Down. This is Phoenix Down, episode 113.1, and we are continuing our playthrough of AI, the Somnium Files. Today I have with me Matt. Hello. And Jay. Hey, y'all. And yeah, um, we played a lot of this game, it seemed like, and we played a lot more. <laughs> <laughs> a decent amount. Uh, I would say we are more than two-thirds way of the game done, so the final episode is going to actually be shorter than the last two. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. So you, you're, you're assuming we're going to finish up next week? I don't see that being a problem, giving uh, okay. yeah, the amount that we played so far. Gotcha. And uh, we finished up um, the the um, Mizuki the ending. A, mm -hmm. yeah, the Ota ending, right? And uh, the Mizuki ending. Um, and uh, Jay, you told us to go through a different. So, all right, how do I explain this? The, the flow chart looks like a tree, almost, right? And you start at the top, and you make your way down. So it's like the roots of a tree. So um, the Ota ending felt like a full-on root all the way down. Mm -hmm. The Mizuki one felt like it branched off from the Ota ending, or not not at the Ota end, it on the on the root of the Ota ending, and went just slightly down, not all the way down. And this recording we are doing another slight and then another full root, if that makes any sense <laughs> at all. Yeah, uh, I think we posted that flow chart before on Twitter on the Phoenix Down thing, right? Just as a... I yeah. Yeah, so if you take a look at that, I think you'll understand what Drew's talking about. It, it makes sense if you, if you take a look at the thing. Right. So we decided to, um, or are you going through your guidance... Uh, we went back to Ota's branch and we decided to make a separate change, a different change during his Somnium. Uh, I think that that actually leads to the Mizuki ending. So I think you're talking about... Um, we're, we went back to the Iris uh, Somnium. That's right. Yeah. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yep. yeah. I'm, I'm getting all mixed up here. Yeah, there's so many branches. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, we went back to the Iris one. And in, instead of, um, uh, this is the one with the TV, and you can either yeah. choose to hit the TV or turn the dial. And uh, despite both options being seemingly being viable to whatever the heck you're doing at the moment, they go to show you very, very, very different scenes. Previously, we saw scenes of uh, like really happily drawn animals kind of being like murdered by different types of weapons, but yep. by going through this other option, we end up seeing something much more disturbing and violent. It, it, it's yes. interesting, kind of the dissociation of the magnitude of your choice and the magnitude of the impact, right? Like <laughs> you don't you don't think you're you don't think you're making a big decision, but it ends up leading to quite different outcomes. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's an excellent point to make, Matt. Because in a lot of ways, and we all are familiar with like the butterfly effect, for example, right? Sure. 
right? So the smallest act can have, uh, you know, changes that you can't even possibly fathom. And a lot of the stuff that happens in this game is very similar to that. It's very different yeah. from something like Infamous, where sometimes you just pause the game and you're like, this is a big decision. What, what <laughs> should I do? I'm going to have to live with whatever I choose. Right. Here you're like, I, I don't know, hit the TV, turn the dial, what's the difference? Yep. So yeah, that so the reason why I forgot about this is because I had already seen this yeah. in my first playthrough and accidentally did it all. So I didn't have to do this again. I could just go to what I had already unlocked. Yeah. So that was the reason why I had forgotten it was that Somnium. Yeah, in this one, instead of seeing the animals get killed, we're actually watching figures get killed in the same kind of manner. Stabbing, strangulation... Like uh, mannequins in the fig- uh, in like women's women's figure kind of deal. Yeah, and each of the mannequins is a picture of the woman that was killed six years ago. Yeah, one of the four victims of the original Cyclops killer. Yes, yes. Um, and going through that, uh, at the very end of it, uh, we see that um, just a, a quick flash. Um, in the reflection, the the assailant, the one doing the killing, we see its face for one second, and it's Date's face. Yep, that's right. And I was like, "Oh shit!" <laughs> uh, coming out of the Somnium, we're like, "Did you guys see that?" Yeah, we saw it. Uh, what the hell? And then, of course, Date remembers Pewter joking. Maybe you're the Cyclops killer. Yeah, you don't have a left eyeball. Maybe you just take the left eyeball of all of your victims to compensate. Yep. So yeah, that one uh, that one left everybody disturbed. Definitely, but uh, according to Boston Peter, they're very certain that Date cannot, in fact, be the original uh, Cyclops killer. Uh, but they're not uh, willing to say exactly why. They're so sure. Yeah, which is even the more other, suspicious. The other, Indeed. Yeah. The other big thing is that Iris, um, after the Somnium, we ask her, do you know anything about the Cyclops killings? And she's like, no, I saw them on TV. I remember hearing about them on TV. But in the Somnium, it was almost like she was seeing this happen. Like she was there. So, like right. she was there. Mm-hmm. So... That brings up a big question. At the same time, she was what twelve yeah. during that, uh-huh. so she she more than likely wasn't the killer in this, but she was more than likely present when the killings happened. So, um, in my notes here, I have we went to the bar. That's right. So we go to the bar, and Ota uh, meets. Iris and Date at the bar. I don't remember why we went to the bar. So I believe Iris mentioned something along the lines of like, uh, well, first of all, we don't have enough, we don't have any evidence pointing Iris to being the killer or anything like that. Right. So we can't hold her. And secondly, she said like, hey, if you take me here, you know, I'll tell you more about, uh, you know, what's going on about, you know, the the stuff that we're talking about with Ota, like that thing and stuff like that. Right, mm-hmm. right, that thing, because she was texting, yeah. Yeah. So we meet Oda at the the bar, and 
Oda, it's it. You start to see things happen that had happened in previous strands, but they're slightly varied on how it happens. So instead of getting bonked over the head with a walk, we're getting tasered by Oda. Right, but unfortunately, the taser has a big ramification, and that it also knocks out Aiba on top of uh, Date instead of the walk, which just knocked out uh, Date instead of just uh, you know, and Aiba was still around uh, filming stuff. Right. So we don't know what happens when we wake up. Mom is like, "You okay?" He's <laughs> <laughs> like, "Yeah, what happened?" He's like, "Oh, you were just laying there." Okay. And they're like, where's Oda and Iris? I don't know. Great. So we start driving. Got to find them. And uh, it doesn't take long, but we do find them. Uh, because uh, we get a live stream. We get another uh, We get another familiar thing that happens. Uh, we get the live stream. And it is um, Iris strapped to the ice cutting machine. The polar bear's there. Uh... Oda is there. The whole shebang. The exact same thing happens with mm-hmm. one exception. Um, Oda turns off the machine to stop Iris from getting cut. And he goes after the polar bear. You hear struggling in the background. The polar bear then shows back up on the screen. Starts the ice cutting machine again. And Iris gets chopped in fucking half. <laughs> yeah, my jaw dropped at that. I did too. I was like, holy crap, they're actually doing this. There's something about situations like that where you feel like, oh, so, surely something must happen that will stop this character from dying. Kind of like a Deus Ex Machina thing, but not the not the case this time. Yeah, so we straight up see that during the live stream, and we're like, okay, uh, where's that coming from? It's coming from the cold storage warehouse, which we all know. Granted, this version of Date doesn't know about the place. Um, and so we we go there and we find Iris is is definitely dead along with Ota is dead but Ota is now on the ice cutting board and he's in the polar bear costume big dramatic reveal pull the polar bear head off who's inside yep and so after that we go to uh Go back to HQ. I don't get why... This has happened multiple times where Date will find something disturbing, like mm-hmm. a dead body or something, and call it in, and then just leave. Why? Why not stay there until backup shows up? I think that makes total sense about what you're saying. But I think there are certain <laughs> situations where he's trying to get to the bottom of things and talking to certain people. So, in that way, I can kind of understand, but there are scenarios where it makes a lot more sense to just kind of stay there, sit tight. But I figure if he's there, he can't um, start investigating the scene because it's not exactly forensics, right? Yeah, so, it, right. Could be, it could be that he might be the one that disturbs the scene of the crime, and then all of a sudden you lose, like, a crucial hint. So, it's not, it's not, he's, he's not the jury-jury executioner kind of deal. He's got to, you know, still play by the rules. Yeah. So we go back to HQ, uh, and when we're talking to the boss, she's almost playing devil's advocate. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and in my notes here, I put devil's advocate because I can't type. 
Uh, my notes are insane. Like it's the ramblings of a madman. Um, uh, but she's playing devil's advocate by saying, "Well, Oda, why 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 don't we believe Oda did all of this? He 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 was in love with Iris. He couldn't have her, so he killed her, and he killed himself." But of course, Date's not buying it, and truth be told, I'm not buying it either. Yeah. So, um, the the biggest thing we need to do is find what is the connection between Iris, Renju, and Shoko. The the obviously the the three dead people that we know of. Why were they all connected, yep. and why were they all killed? What's the link? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or who? And then Pewter tells us that uh, the Rohan of the Yakuza uh, worked with the original killer. The original, um, um, oh boy, I got Nemo. I uh, worked with the original, um, Cyclops killer. Um, uh, and, um, the killer is actually in prison. Right. So <laughs> that. Known as. Uh, go ahead. Uh, so that makes sense why Peter and Boss are so certain. That you know, Date can't be the original killer because the killer uh, is you know in prison, right? So, you, I mean, if you need an alibi, that's a pretty damn good one. Yeah. So, um, uh, and the, the the prisoner is is has no name and is only known as number eighty nine. So we have to go to a few places. Uh, obviously, we stop by uh, Iris's mom's, talk to her. Oh, God, and, uh, yeah. Jeez. Yeah. Of course, Hitomi is a wreck. Uh, but she does tell us that um, she did run into Shoko. She's only met her twice, but she ran into Shoko at a strange place at the prison when she was visiting someone she knew as a child. That's suspicious. Mm-hmm. Um, we go to the bar. And Mama tells us that uh, uh, Sosajima uh, had made a lot of money uh, by selling uh, the land that was uh, eventually uh, eventually turned into the land that nobody wanted because of the the chemical spill or the explosion. Was it explosion or chemical spill? I can't remember. Uh, I think it was like a chemical plant uh, explosion or something like that. Explosion. Yeah, I think both. It was an explosion that led to a chemical spill. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he he was working with the Kumakuras, the Yakuza, um, and basically was wanting to build like a casino with them or something. Uh, but he sold he he sold the land for twenty nine billion yen, and then mysteriously a few months after that. The explosion happened, and nobody wanted the land, so he bought it back for like a billion yen. So he made like you know twenty eight billion yen. Right, yeah. but still, ultimately, now, um, he still ends up buying land that nobody still wants, though, even after the true. fact. So it's an interesting thing because it's not like a hundred percent profit. There is still some loss involved, so it's difficult to pinpoint like a motive behind the action. Right. So we think, well, Oda could have been pissed off at the Yakuza because because this whole ordeal, his parents' restaurant went under. Mm-hmm. So we're kind of 
we got a little bit of information, but the biggest thing we need to do is talk to this number 89. Right. Before we get to that point, let me uh, add a couple of more things about what Peter was telling us in front of the cold storage in regards to the original Cyclops killer. There's a lot of really interesting uh, tidbits there. Uh, and, and obviously it's been a, probably a while for you guys since you played this part, so I wanted to kind of add a little bit more. So we know that uh, Rohan and Number 89 were uh, collaborators in this uh, serial killings of these four women. So Rohan was the one who had the fascination with the eyeballs. So he was the one yes. that removed the eyeballs, but he would remove the the right eyeball. That was his M.O. as far as doing the thing. And, you know, you can't just remove someone's eyeball and just kind of let them go. So it just happens to be that this other person that he found to be his ideal partner was this uh, crazy person. And when I mean crazy, I mean he had... Uh, mental defects in a way where he wasn't able to produce the type of hormone that gives you like ecstasy, like feelings of love and emotional things of that nature and in order to kind of simulate or stimulate that part of himself the only way he could kind of feel like love and all that kind of emotion was to actually kill people and it was reported that he actually killed someone uh, when he was at the age of 12 so a very, very young starter uh, for this particular disturbed individual. Um, all that stuff is interesting because it kind of goes to show you about uh, Rohan and this number 89 who are going to be more important later down the line. Okay, go ahead. Yeah. Sorry, uh, my notes. Like I said, they're the ramblings of a madman because <laughs> I just said, Peter tells us about 89, and that's all I said, and I didn't, <laughs> I didn't say all that stuff. Just assume I'll remember all that. Yeah, and no, I don't because there's a lot here. Uh, there's a lot. Okay, moving on. It, it also gets harder and harder to mm-hmm. remember in a game like this because of the the changes. Yes, right. What, yes. what what makes perfect logical sense in one stream no longer holds and has been overwritten. So it it definitely gets chaotic. It it messes with your mind and perspective because we as the player are able to carry on the information that we have from the previous round. And, but in case for Date and Aiba, they do not have that luxury. So when they discover something, for example, the whole idea with the cold storage and other things of that nature, they're discovering it for, for the first time, but we're not. But at the same time, we're seeing the differences between the timelines because of these minute little things that we do differently, a drastically different outcome comes up. So that's kind of one of the parts of the game, but it can be very confusing for sure. Yeah. So we bring in number 89 to an interrogation. Um, and this is the first time I've seen this guy, so I'm like, okay. Um, and before he gets into any type of answering questions, he wants to tell us a little story. And um, quite quickly I realize what he's talking about, but um, he tells us the story of a detective um, who originally wanted nothing but justice. And then he started just kind of really enjoying the the justice part of it, a.k.a. I'm going to kill this guy. <laughs> yeah, good old vigilante justice. <laughs> yep. And so he was so good at killing, uh, he actually started working for the Yakuza. And the Kumakuras. Uh, he got blackmailed to end up working with them. Um, when uh, number 89 ended up, or this 
detective F person that he mentions uh, killed someone that was well connected. Uh, they had something over him, so he was basically blackmailed. Hey, either you work for us or we're just gonna have to kill you. You know, that kind of deal. So, not much of a choice in the matter, but he certainly was good at killing folks. Yeah. So, uh, he, he works with Rohan. And, uh, they call him Falco. That's what they, mm-hmm. they give him the nickname of Falco. And, uh, during an assassination, uh, he gets injured and is in an alleyway and is helped, uh, by a woman that he met on the street. Kind of find out that woman is Hitomi. Mm-hmm. And they fall in love. And so during this time, Falco decides, I want to leave the Yakuza. I'm getting out of here. And Rohan's like, okay, you can leave us. But you have to do one last hit. Okay, what's the hit? I want you to kill Hitomi and Iris. <laughs> and he's like, okay, so you want me to kill the woman that I love and her daughter? Well, uh, Rohan at this point is not aware of... Uh his, uh, you know, Falco's connection with, uh, his target. Otherwise, it wouldn't have been, you know, probably wouldn't have gone this way, right? <laughs> gotcha. Yeah. Okay, so I was thinking he, he was just, you know, screwing with him, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's like, I, I'm not gonna finish this story. I'm not gonna finish this story until you give me a letter saying that I am going to be leaving prison. You're gonna let me out. And we're like, yeah, well, we're not going to do that. So we're just going to go ahead and sync with you, and uh, we'll get all the answers we need. So that's exactly what we do. And this one, oh man, this sync is, it, it takes place in, like, the apartment with Hitomi. And there's this barrier between Hitomi, and you're trying to decrease the barrier to get more information and there's a giant Rohan like staring in the windows and stuff Mm -hmm. um I didn't think this one was very difficult yeah I think Um, it was pretty straightforward because there isn't that many things you can interact with in this particular one yeah yeah Yeah. but uh anyway regardless of of what happens in the in the Somnium um, it's revealed um, that Rohan actually shows up to Hitomi's apartment and he shoots Hitomi when she's laying on the ground Falco's there Hitomi's there Rohan's there and then somebody comes to the door it's very familiar to us the boss shows up. Yeah, that's right. Date's boss, and uh, we see uh, the boss. What did she say? She, I think she said that's enough, or wait a second, or something like. That. I can't remember. Uh, I don't think. Um, yeah, then what happens next is probably more important than what she says. Yeah. 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 After that, we come out of the Somnium, and nobody knows where the boss is. Okay. Well, 
Let's go find out where she is. Got to ask some major questions here. So we go to her office and we hack into her computer. Uh, before that happens, we get a, a message from Peter telling us about uh, good old Congressman Sosajima has been found dead. Uh, found uh, found his uh, dead body in pieces inside of a vase, and he was That's missing. Right. That's right. His left eye. How did I? Oh, okay, I see it. Okay, yeah, I, my my notes are ass backwards. <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, when we go into the PC, we see a video set up by the boss. Like you can see her setting up the camera, and we see her there with Sosajima. Looks like he's tied up, sitting in a chair, and missing his and left eye. Missing an eye, and then she pulls out a gun and shoots him in the friggin' head. <laughs> oh yeah. And then the gang says, nope, you can't go any farther. Yep. Yep. Stop right there. And I was like, oh, boy. <laughs> so my question is, is this yet another red herring? And what? Or is this actually, actually part of the story? Well, Matt, why don't you and Drew discuss that idea? <laughs> I, I, I have no idea. I, to be honest with you, this feels like the, the real thing. Yeah, I, I'm I'm torn, right? You know, this is happening at what the halfway point in the game. About or, yeah, technically. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it depends on like this could have happened earlier in the game if you had gone down a different route. If we if we'd gone a different route, yeah, you know, this could have literally been the first route that you end up encountering. Isn't that wild? Right, <laughs> that's crazy. Yeah, which is crazy because if it was the first route I encountered, I would have 100 percent dismissed this as a red herring. Mm-hmm. Um. You know, despite the fact that they do a good job of raising all those questions early on, where you know the boss won't tell you about what happened six years ago, won't tell you about your past. Um, you know, there's a lot of reason for suspicion here. I still, I, I don't know. I mean, I think that whatever's going on with Date's past, the boss definitely is involved. But it's hard to trust anything. Also, if things can be, if reality can be altered, yeah. then how do you trust that anything is the truth? What mm-hmm. what, it, what is you know? We're talking about whether it's a red herring or the real thing. I'm not sure that's a distinction we can even make in this game. Yeah, like what's the real thing here? Like, does Iris always die? There's some instances where she doesn't. Does Ota always die? There's also instances where he doesn't. So Sujima seems to be dead in every Somnium we've or every branch we've ever taken. Yeah. So Which he seemed like a bad guy. What's real? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, he's a corrupt politician. Mm-hmm. But what's what's my question is is what's real? Can it only be one or the other? Whereas in is there room only for one truth? Or is nothing real? Yeah, kind of your, your time stream. If it was time travel, like are things going to always find a way to come back to where they should be? You know, is Ota always going to attack you in every scenario, somehow, mm-hmm. or not? Um, is this all just a simulation? <laughs> are we? Are we? Are, is this what we're going to end up doing? Is this going to be Danganronpa two again? Uh, are they all dead? Are they all inside the sink machine. This is all purgatory. Oh, here we go. 
Uh, yeah, I, I, I love these theories. But I know where you guys are coming from because I'm not, um, you know, I'm not going to say that I knew exactly what was going on when I was in your shoes, like playing this game for the first time. Because the way I had it, and or the way my mind works, is that I tried to look for clues and I tried to come to, uh, you know, a possible solution to what the, you know, what's going on in the overarching side of things. But every single time where I felt like I had a handle on what was happening, and I was like, oh, so that's what's happening. And I feel like I have a revelation. Kind of clicks in my mind. I was like, oh, okay, that's that's what's happening. I play through a different route, and then it turns everything on its head. And everything that I believed... For example, if you guys remember, we were talking about uh, Ota and Iris in the cold storage room. Talking about, like, well, Ota and Iris could be working together. You know, that, that, thing, that whole thing could have been faked to draw suspicion away from them. But in this ending, we saw them both get brutally murdered, right? So if they were both in on something, then in this in this reality or in this timeline, that couldn't be true because you know they're both dead. Someone else must be involved too, at the very least. So that's kind of where I was. So I was desperately grasping for new clues to try to piece together. But every single time that I felt like I finally grasped it, it was like trying to grab a hold of a fish. The harder you try to grab, the easier it is to just basically slip out of your hands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and, and you, know, you talk about things being turned upside down. Mm-hmm. The next route that we're going through. Oh yeah. I mean, we we just completely forget about the serial killer, and and everything's something else. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, what? Like, like, what? What happened to? The serial killer this running. Is this story even about a serial killer? That's so let's get into it. Yeah, let's do it. So we go back to the very beginning. The very first Somnium with Mizuki. And instead of choosing the left bird cage, we're choosing the right bird cage. The one that has the balloons in it. And when we choose this one, we see we see the body of Iris frozen also with multiple and I mean tons of stab wounds in her back she's naked frozen solid and she has stab wounds all in her back and so we're just like oh crap um that's weird at that point I'm thinking alright so are we seeing the future or is this something that Mizuki really wants to happen yeah again I mean to, to that point on, on what's real like the, it, it keeps coming up of like what what option do we have I feel like I missed something and maybe it was because this section I did so long ago when we started this game when, right. you know, this I, I went way down this route before I realized I was on the wrong path um, but, I, you know, that's where I started I played a lot of this path, went and did the rest of it with you guys, and then coming back now, they were making some statements around what's happening with the with, with the jumps that I was like I definitely missed something here, I don't remember this being explained, even though it's being discussed now as if I know it Okay. Maybe that's a little too vague, but it, it definitely comes way later in this path. All right. 
we'll, we'll speak up whenever we get to it because I'm now I'm 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 I'm, I'm at a loss. I don't know what what you're talking about. Mm. <laughs> so when we leave this somnium, the the big difference here is is that Mizuki is actually not healed. She is still kind of in a catatonic state. So we're kind of at a loss. We don't know what else to do. The only other thing we can go by is that in the Somnium, we heard a cell phone ring. And it's a long shot, but let's go back to the park and see if we can find a cell phone somewhere. Right. Before we do any of that, though, we do end up calling Iris. I'm not sure if you mentioned this. To tell her not to leave the home and lock all the doors. Um, and then, you know, because we're kind of telling her what to do, she makes us promise, you know, to go on a date with her or something like that, uh, so that she'll actually listen to what we want. Because, uh, the way Date is thinking, or the way I think the whole Iris' frozen dead body with multiple stab wounds, you know, being hidden under here, could be one of those, uh, you know, prophetic dreams where you're seeing uh, what's to come, right? So I think Date is right to worry about that and basically says, like, hey, don't do anything. Uh, you know, and then kind of yeah. that's the whole thing. Yep. So, uh, yeah, we go back to the park and um, we look for a phone um, using the, the handy-dandy eye, the all-seeing eye, Iba. We're able to find the phone. The phone is actually inside the mouth of the the horse that Shoko was positioned on. Um, seems to be a burner phone. Uh, there was no outgoing calls at all, but there was one uh, incoming call at around the the time uh, the body was found. So um, we try to call the number, but they just hang up on us. Probably because we're like, hey, we're with the cops. <laughs> yeah, that was a very so we silly thing to do. Yeah. So uh, we decided to go check on Iris. Um, nothing's really out of the ordinary. Iris is like, nothing's going on. I don't know why you're worried. So on the next day, we go back to the HQ... Uh, before that, uh, Iris does mention a couple of things, and we do have seen, have this one particular scene, I think, that bears mentioning. Uh, well, of course, uh, first of all, she asks, uh, Date to watch her 1am stream, uh, which is pretty late in the day, in the, in the night and everything, but, you know, she still asks her to watch it, definitely. And, talking to her kind of brought up the memory of when we were riding in the car with Iris for the first time, when she mentioned that, uh, sometime real soon, that she was going to die. And right. that kind of statement kind of caught us off guard initially because we didn't really know what she meant. She was, you know, she kind of played it off as a joke. But based on what we saw in the Somnium and, you know, with the, with the case being what it is, we we're kind of feeling uneasy about the situation. But, okay, go ahead. Yeah. I don't know why I didn't put that in my notes. I thought I did. So, uh, yeah, go back to HQ uh, and we find out that uh, Rinju... Uh, uh, is in the hospital because of a car accident. We heard that over the radio that there was a major car accident that happened, mm-hmm. um, and uh, he's he's currently in the hospital. Uh, we also find out that the uh, uh, the phone actually belonged the phone the phone that we found the burner phone uh, belonged to Shoko. 
Um, so we're like, okay, well, it's obviously a burner phone because she never called anybody and she only got one single phone call. Um, and then we check uh, check on uh, Mizuki and says her phone GPS uh, says she's at home uh, when she should be at the friggin' hospital. So we go to the hospital and we find out that Rinju <laughs> snuck out during the night. <laughs> Got into a major car accident and in the night decided just to sneak out of the hospital you know, injured. I mean, dude, like after a major surgery has been successful, that's what I like to do too. You know, just escape from the hospital and go home. Well, yeah, I got to find food, if nothing else. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this food's terrible, man. I got to get out of here. So that's really suspicious. Um, but we go home and uh, we find Mizuki there pumping iron. She's totally fine. What the hell? Uh, but also, at our apartment, uh, Hitomi is there, and uh, she was she's uh, been with Hitomi, uh, or Mizuki's been with Hitomi because she texted her and said, "Hey, could you come get me?" So she got her out of the hospital and brought her home. Uh, kind of found out uh, Hitomi is actually Mizuki's teacher. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the thing so. about it is that in Asian countries, uh, like like homeroom teachers and stuff like that are like a very big deal. They take uh, responsibility of a particular class uh, very seriously. Um, so if you think about it in, in like American terms, like, oh, I called my teacher and they came to pick me up and everything. That the, that sounds very far-fetched, but in, in, in like Japan or Korea or something like that, that kind of behavior is a lot more commonplace. Cultural difference. Gotcha. So um, we talk with Hitomi uh, and we go a little deep into it. So we're just checking with her and say, why, why is your arm like that? And she says, uh, well, she had a metal plate inserted in her arm because she was shot five years ago. Six years ago. Oh, six years ago. Uh, I five for some reason. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Uh, she claims it was just a random intruder. Uh, and when we talk to Mizuki, Mizuki tells us that the Nile message that she got to go to Bloom Park came from her dad, Renju. Okay. So there's a few places we need to go. Uh, the places where we could possibly find Renju because, well, he's out and about just wandering around injured. So we check Sunfish Pocket, which is owned by him. And uh, when we go there, we find Oda there. Um, and yeah, it's, it's just, this is a ridiculous scene. <laughs> but um, Oda's there uh, enjoying the, the 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 fine dining, and the uh, the waitresses. But uh, the biggest thing is that he shows us a video, uh, the live stream that Iris told us to watch. Um. She's doing her normal stream, doing her dancing and stuff like that. And then all of a sudden she gets a knock at the door at 2 a.m. Mm. And she goes to see who's it, who it is and then comes back and immediately cancels the live stream and then leaves. And we're like, okay, what, what was that about? This 2 a.m. Who's coming to see her? So we try calling her phone. Her phone's turned off. 
Gotcha. Next place we go uh, to the Kumakura's office to ask about Shoko. Obviously, she's got some kind of connections with them. And uh, I mentioned here in the notes, and I'm, I'm going to ask you, Jay, and mm. you can tell me sure. this is information I don't need to have. I've been noticing, especially this last play session, there are these scenes during cutscenes where there is a heartbeat. Yeah. What the hell is that? Well, what do you think it means? I think it. I think it means that. I, I, to be honest with you, I, I feel like it's a pivotal moment, or there is this is happening because of something we already did, or there's information that we've already learned, and this is part of it. I don't know. I cannot it disclose that information to you, unfortunately. Okay, all right, all right. <laughs> but, that's fine. But I, I will say, I started noticing it this this play session. I'm very glad that you're noticing it because it does happen frequently, and yeah. it doesn't always happen at moments where you think is a big deal, right? It's kind right. of like happens sometimes. You're like, okay, whatever that is. But then if you put a spotlight onto it, uh, and if you figure out if there is a connection between those moments. And somehow clue them together, you might be able to find something of worth. Okay. Yeah, I got a sense it was something about, you know, less gamey, but more like this is a big decision that he needs to make, or he's turning inward to make a, you know, something critical. But you're right, I, I, I've noticed it at least four or five times total, but I haven't marked down exactly what was happening at each one. So I'd be curious what the, what the thread or what the links are between those. Instances or happened. I think I think this was the first one that I fully noticed. Mm-hmm. Um, so I actually wrote it down. The weird thing is, is that there are those heartbeat like pauses that happen not only during like action sequences. So like the last action sequence we have for this play session, where we're we're, we're storming the 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 warehouse, right? Mm-hmm. That happens like three times during that little action sequence. But it also happens during cutscenes where I'm just doing investigating. And that's why I was like, okay, so it's not just like you could die here moments. This is more like pivotal moments or something. Or, or I feel like it's either we're getting information that is important to the overall case or this has something to do with something we've already seen in a previous strand. Mm. Mm. I I definitely like your theories and where your head's at, and I'm very glad you pointed pointed that out, Drew. Yeah, I um, like the mm-hmm. I, I, I like that idea as as a link, or you know, maybe where th- this is a point where something changed. Or I feel like the heartbeat sections, and this is just my theory. I feel like the heartbeats are telling us this is what's actually happening. Hmm. The other things are red herrings, but every time you get a heartbeat. Hey, pay attention to this because this is actually part of the real story is going on. Hmm. Interesting. And the reason why I say this is because right after this, it mentions we're obviously talking to Moma about the Kumakura gang, and he's talking about Rohan committed suicide, and uh, he was in the hospital six years ago because he got the crap beat out of him, uh, and it left him with uh, poor vision in his right eye and I'm like okay 
And that it, like that heartbeat happened right before we learned this information. And like that's got to be like important information to remember kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Probably wouldn't be a more boring explanation of like he's got a health issue that <laughs> you know le- led to him you know losing his memory or losing his eye or lashing out and killing all these women, you know, who knows. Right. And it says uh, he started using everything like with his left, like he used his left hand, uses his left eye to see everything, that kind of thing. And he also became insane and ruthless. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, at this point, but, I guess I'll bring up uh, uh, an interesting topic for you guys to mull over. Does the name Phineas Gage ring a bell to either of you guys? Mm-hmm. Oh, Phineas Cage. I, Phineas Cage, my mistake. Phineas Cage. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's a name um, that should be relevant to this particular game's storyline. And the reason why I bring it up is that... Have you guys noticed when you boot up the game uh, at the very beginning, the Spike Chunsoft logo is there? Yeah. Yep. And then what happens to that logo? Uh, the looks like the right eye gets jabbed out. Like something comes from below and then basically just like right through the skull, right? Yeah. It's a spike through the eye. Oh, is yeah. that who Phineas Gage is? The guy who worked on a railroad? That's right. Oh, shit. Yeah. I have no Back idea. From all the psych is. classes in college. <laughs> uh, if you're interested, look it up. But the basic gist is that uh, he's one of the most important case studies since. Uh, yeah in psychiatric history because of the fact that uh, this metal bar basically went from underneath his head through his skull from the top and went clean through basically completely destroying a part of his brain and cranium and yet he was still alive and functional but what they were talking about is because of the way his brain was damaged in certain places uh, it changed him as, as an individual his personality. And, exactly. And t- what happened to Rohan? He became more aggressive. Who was hit on the left side of his head, making him lose spatial cognitive abilities, made him a lot more aggressive and everything. So right. the parallel is there. Um, so that thing that you've seen every single time when you boot up the game was actually a hint towards something rather major in this game as well. So just huh. putting that out there. Uh, if, okay. Yeah, if you're interested, uh, look into it more as far as how much more that character or that idea connects to the full story. That's something for you guys to discover. But this was a good time for me to bring it up because it uh, just happened. Okay. All right. Gotcha. All right. So da, 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 da. on the ride back to HQ, um, we try that number again from the burner phone. And this time... We use a voice changer, and we pretend to be Shoko. And can you fail this? Um, I've never failed this, so I'm not sure. Okay, because there's choices here, and I just I, I don't know if I just chose the right choice mm-hmm. for this or not. But um, I got it right, and I I uh, I convinced the person to say who he was. It was so Sojima talking. Why the hell did Sojima call her 
using a burner phone after she was killed? Good question. Mm-hmm. While we're out on the road, why don't we go to Sochajima's house? <laughs> Uh, before that, they do discuss something else in terms of uh, what Aiba can do. Because Aiba, because she's such a sophisticated the bit of technology that's very classified, she has a self-destruct function to prevent uh, people that you know shouldn't have her technology to get a hold of. And her and Date basically come up with an idea. Okay, so let's create a situation where we can go ahead and use that self-destruct, but make sure that it's safe, that we won't accidentally trigger it. So... Aiba says, like, okay, so say it's command 41205. Uh, as far as relevance to what the number actually means, she just says that it's her favorite number. And then Date says, as a secondary failsafe, um, he'll have to tell a blatant lie after saying the initial command code. And that'll be their trigger for the self-destruct sequence. Very, very specific uh, <laughs> bit of information here. So it might be worthwhile to remember. Okay. I will never remember that number. <laughs> I can't lie, though. Mm-hmm. So we go to show Shijima's house, and um, he doesn't want to have anything to do with us. But we're like, hey, we know you called Shoko's phone. And we're like, we're going to prove it. We can call the number right now if we like. And we do prove it. And he's like, well, I'm not talking to you unless you have a warrant. Yeah, he's so against it at first. And then even when caught red-handed, he won't fess up to anything. So, you know, of the many instances and interactions we have with Sosajima, this was kind of the first one. And it, I mean, if, if it wasn't obvious that he was kind of a, a, a bad guy to start with, he, you know, he definitely starts off on that foot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. So... Obviously, we don't have a warrant. We get, you know, got to hit the bricks. But uh, I was like, you know what? We're going to track that phone. See where he goes. And kind of find out he's on the move. So we follow him. And his phone stops at the the harbor warehouses. (laughs) Guess which one? The cold storage warehouse. So, when we get there, we see Sujima walking out of the cold storage warehouse, gets into a car, drives off. At this time, I was like, I hate to tell you this, but uh, my batteries are dying, and I'm going to have to recharge. So, we don't have Iba with us right now. She is completely shut down. Well, we continue into the warehouse anyway. And we see the same scene we've always seen. There's the cold storage area. There's the two forklifts. There's a table there. And on that table is something covered with a tarp. We take the tarp off. And we find Iris's frozen body. Naked with multiple stab wounds in the back. Would you say that this is the same one that you saw in the Somnium earlier? Definitely definitely looks like it. Mm-hmm. And there's one other thing. Her right eye is missing. 
not her left eye. Yep. So we call it in, and we drive back to headquarters. Once again, we call it in and leave. <laughs> Guys. So we go back to headquarters. We take in So, and we decide we're going to interrogate him. Obviously, he's the guy that did it because he just, we literally just saw him leave in the warehouse. Right. Well, So's not going to give us anything. I'm not going to talk to you about Jack shit. Okay, fine. Strap him up to the sink machine. <laughs> so we decide to sink with Sosajima. And in this scene, we see Iris constantly being chased by a figure and constantly getting stabbed while at the, the docks at the warehouse. So it's our job to create paths for Iris to run so she could get away from this attacker. And in the end, we are able to prevent her from getting killed. We, In fact, Iba gets giant and basically just smacks the assailant into the water. I like her uh, forklift antics when she just kind of shows up like drifting the forklift and just goes right into the water. Yeah. Yep. Also, the one, the one, dis- the one choice you're supposed to make, pull on it. Push on it. Insert a fighting game combo. <laughs> Which one is it? Oh, it's insert a fighting game combo. I had to redo this one like three times. Did yeah. you? <laughs> uh, it's it's not always inserted the uh, fighting game combo, but it is at least once. Yeah, yeah. So, so we're able to save Iris in this sink. Uh, after the sink, uh, Sosajima sitting there, still denying everything. And we get a phone call from the police officers that responded to the, the call that we made for the, the body, uh, Iris's body. And the cops tell us, uh, there's nothing here, guys. What are you talking about? There is no body here. Okay. What the hell? So at this point, we're kind of scrambling. We totally saw Iris's dead body. Well, so we go to Iris's. When you say we, only Date saw Iris's dead body. Iba did not. I mean, me, we. <laughs> yes, yes, I know. <laughs> the players yes, here, yes, yes. the collective we. <laughs> <laughs> so we go to Iris's house, and she's there, alive and well, with Mizuki, mm-hmm. just hanging out. And so Date's like, "I'm a god." <laughs> Yeah. I have changed time. The, I have I have changed it. The world changed. That's right. Which is interesting so, because in the I, I don't know, it's definitely the biggest biggest example of, of changing things, but also you've got Iris kind of moving through portals and stuff. I mean I, I guess in her somnium you can't really read anything into in, in, into the reality. I didn't know if they were trying to set up any parallels between 
her ability to kind of travel through the portals or to have her history changed. Hmm. You know, the, the fact that... You know, I, I felt like if you if you take this piece of information where there was a little bit of jumping or leaping or traveling t- differently and combine that with the fact that in the other Somnium you could see her or she saw things that maybe that she wasn't able to have actually seen as a 12 year old I don't know is it like a quantum leap type thing where either her consciousness or somebody else's consciousness was jumping into her or through time I don't know I I, I started to think like alright maybe Iris is more important to the backstory than we think that's a great observation, I've... Matt. I think um, the only thing that I would add to that is that when I this is my second playthrough of the game, right? So knowing the overarching storyline, but not knowing the beat by beat story because you know I've forgotten a lot of things. I started to notice a lot of connections about things that I wouldn't normally on my first playthrough. I just kind of kind of dismissed it as just it's just kind of being weird and cookie, but. When I think about every information that I have and what's ultimately going to happen, a lot of it actually click into place. So uh, I'm very glad you're making these observations and trying to find meaning in some of this stuff that's happening. I have two. I have two statements. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, the first one is my theory. I, I have a theory, and I know we're only halfway through this, but. Is this so? So uh, let me elaborate on it. Mm-hmm. Is this a simulation? And the reason why I say that is because it, is this a tool to discover everything that could happen, mm. but not necessarily what has come to pass? So, like, do- so Doctor Strange kind of Doctor Strange using yeah. <laughs> Doctor Strange going through every single outcome, and this is the only one that that we win. Mm-hmm. Mm. So, and the second, yeah. the second statement. Oh, go ahead, go ahead. Um, obviously, oh, no, no. Why don't you finish your thought, and then I'll chime in. My my second thought is, and I'm going to. I, I, I'm I'm sure this is going to come bite me in the butt. I think Iris is. I think Iris is 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 the bad guy. Oh, you've already picked your answer that I'm gonna go ahead and ask you at the end. Yeah, I, I think I think there is more to Iris than what we think. Yeah, and it it feels like everything is kind of surrounding her. Mm-hmm. No matter what, no matter what happens, no matter what branch we take, Iris is usually either at the center of it or definitely a main player. Yeah, and I, and I feel like she is. Deliberately party, putting herself in those situations. It very specifically asked us who's the link between all these people that are killed, and it's basically, well, it's Iris and it's myself. Yeah. Hmm. I th- I feel like there is more to Iris than what we know. Okay. I mean, given what we have seen so far, uh, obviously, I'm not going to confirm or deny any of your theories or anything like that just yet. But based on the information that we have, I think um, I understand where you're coming from in in both directions. So, nice. Okay. So, uh, back to the story. Uh, There's no new info that we have. 
but with we do know that number 89 called Sosujima because he's a you know politician probably could get him a pardon maybe or it could be a little bit more in there involved we're not sure so we decided to bring him in for questioning and during this time we decided to go check out a few places the first one is obviously we're going to go to the cold storage and find what the hell actually happened to that body we saw and when we get there we can't find anything I have, I have no idea So after that, we do find one bit of information, no evidence. However, we learn that the investigation took about an hour and a half to arrive at the scene of the crime, which seems yeah, excessively long for a response to a homicide, right? Right. Hmm. Strange. Yeah, that is strange. Who would have the kind of pull to delay police officers like that? Who indeed? There's a few I can name. Uh, so we bring in number 89 and we start the interrogation doesn't last very long because 89 uh, decides to flip the table and uh, beat the crap out of Dante take his gun and hold Pewter hostage where's the boss nobody really knows She's usually there for these interrogations, but she wasn't there then. Strange. So he takes Peter hostage and uh, escapes. Leaves the entire complex. We check the security cameras and we see him get into a car. There's one person that we've been looking for for a very long time who is driving that car. Rinju. What the hell? Rinju picks up 89 and drives him off. So obviously they're working together. So Moma. We get a phone call from Moma. And he tells us he knows where Rinju is. And he'll tell us under one condition. He really wants to meet a set. <laughs> So we're like, okay, fine. So we take Iris to go meet Momo. And it's the most ridiculous scene ever. He wants to shake her hand. and Yeah. He's very jealous of Date because he gets to hang out with Aset all day. I, I love the how it's like a Momo kind of pulls Date aside and is like, Date, you gotta, you gotta let me shake Iris's hand, or uh, was it Tessa's hand? And Date comes up and he's like, hey, Iris, can you do me a favor? Momo wants you to show him your boobs. <laughs> Imagine if you're like in like one way love with a person and then someone just basically says that in front of you. You're like, oh my god. Yeah, mortifying. <laughs> yeah. There's a there's a scene later on that had me cracking up. We'll get to it in a minute. Yeah. So, um, Moma tells us Rinju was seen at two places Sunfish Pocket and at the shrine. So. We got those two places we can go to. Iris, on top of that, also wants to go see the cold storage place where Date supposedly saw her body. So, I decided to go to the cold storage first. 
And was this information relevant? I don't, I'm not entirely sure. It was basically all just telling her about how the sync stuff works. Right. How the, the only the thing that I, works. That, mm-hmm. yeah, the only thing I, 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 I took from this was that we mentioned the Wajet system and she gets really nervous when we mention it. Mm-hmm. We go to Sunfish Pocket. We meet Mizuki. She's there. She's got the, 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 the platinum trident. <laughs> or, or, or Calcum trident. Drew, come on now. No, excuse yeah. me, excuse me, excuse me. She has the top tier top trident, so she gets she gets the best customer service. And um, uh, one of the 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 mermaid waitresses tells us that uh, uh, Rinju was there. It was yesterday, though. And of course, he's like, "Well, why the hell didn't you tell me? It was after you left. I don't have any way to contact you, you jackass." <laughs> Um, and I did mention in my notes, uh, Mizuki could possibly be lying about the cold storage warehouse because we, we do the, um, the heat, uh, vision and see that she's really hot when she says that. And I wrote that down as if like, why would she lie about that though? Yeah. That is a strange thing to lie about, right? doesn't even really even seem that important to as a fact of matter. Yeah. And uh, the one big thing is Renju was there, and he was actually looking for Iris. He asked for her, and, of course, she wasn't there. So we decided to go to the shrine, and uh, uh, the shrine, obviously, he's not there. So we sit down with Iris, and Iris is feeling a little off. And so we sit and talk with her, and she tells us a story about her uncle, or a person she called uncle, she used to go there six years ago with him, and um, it was uh, she called her uncle, but it was actually Hitomi's boyfriend at the time. So, I, at this point, I know who that is mm-hmm. because we did the other string. That's right. So I'm like, okay, and she she admits that she totally became an idol, so that she would hope that uncle would seek her out. Yeah, and the whole thing with Aced being a name that he came up with originally. Yeah, that's right. We'll get a little bit more into that in a second. Uh, my next, my next notes are, are fun. So um, we go to Oda's restaurant for our quote date, and Oda is there, and he's going to cook for us. Of course, Oda's not happy about uh, us being on a date with her. But uh, we do talk to her about a few things, um, particularly our theory of we saved you in the Somnium, which means you are now alive in the real world. And she is a big believer in like parallel universes and and uh, these different theories of like um, Donnie Darko shit. <laughs> I don't know <laughs> the best way to describe it. Did you guys win the uh, rock, paper, scissor against Cyrus? This this is exactly what I want to talk okay, about. Okay, thank you. Um, because I did win the rock paper scissors, mm. and I what made me laugh out loud was because she said, "If you beat me at rock paper scissors, I will do anything." And Dante gets really excited. <laughs> you will do anything for me. Yep. She's like, "Yep." And so he wins, and Dante goes, "Fuck yeah!" <laughs> <laughs> really loud. <laughs> yeah. 
and uh, he eventually just uh, what was it, it makes her dance, I guess. Or no, pretend to be a, a walrus or something. Uh, he was tr- he wanted to say something. I want to see something, but she he he was yeah. stopped by Iba and she seal. yeah she she imitated a seal. Did you win the uh, right. rock paper scissors too as well, Matt? Yeah. Yeah, oh, well, everybody won. Everybody won. Yeah. Okay, nice. Well, so uh, can you lose? I guess. Well, I threw paper. What did you throw? I threw paper. Matt. I think rock. Really? Oh, is this a situation where you can't lose? Is that right? Now I'm curious to kind of go back and try this later. It could be. Hmm. It could be fascinating. Perhaps. Perhaps parallel universes don't exist. <laughs> Perhaps. So yeah, I, I wrote down. Uh, uh, da, 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 da. Oh, uh, when the uh, the food comes, she drops her spoon and holds her hand, and I was like, "That's weird." So I wrote it down. She said she was okay. Um, I don't know. That, that that never actually came back up again. Maybe it comes back up in another strand. Right, but it's they didn't make uh, a dramatic note of it, so I understand yeah. why you wrote it down. I I I love the scene at the diner because all these different theories and uh, like thought experiments that they were talking about, like the hundred million balls with the two sisters, the Mandela effect, all individually fascinating ideas about the possible true reality of our world, right? All those things actually are things that you can literally Google up and look more into if, right now if you like to. And uh, that's one of the things I like about these kind of stories where they implement so much of what is true and real in our reality and they basically tie them together into their fictional world to the point where they begin to blur the two together in a way where it becomes difficult to distinguish the two. It feels like all these theories that are technically impossible, if you think about it from a logical standpoint, from, from a scientific uh, fact standpoint, when you have so many different things combining together and you basically change something that is seemingly impossible to something that becomes implausible, making that zero into a point 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 zero 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 one percent it makes a whole world of difference in terms of like storytelling and stuff like that. Just to kinda get you immersed into a story and the concept of the world that's behind it. Uh, a lot of good games, uh, good games and stories and stuff like that end up doing this. This was a theory, or this was a technique that was also used in Zero Escape a lot. Do you remember all yeah. the stories about uh, the theories about how uh, the morphogenetic the field ti- and the, the the dog the painting, Titanic. yeah, the Titanic and stuff like that, and then the uh, the the thing that freezes in like room temperature or something like that, and all these other things. Like all these yeah. things that exist, and you can literally just quite you know look up it on Google or you know look more into it. All those things tie into this fictional reality and make it feel even more real. And I love that about this game storytelling and this yeah. this uh, yeah. this author in general so storytelling. Yeah, I, I do as yeah. well. That was one of my favorite things about Steins Gate, mm-hmm. where you've got CERN, you've got this, you've got John Titor. Yeah, um, yeah. 
you know, so you know, some really interesting kind of real world things shoehorned into the this mythology. Yeah. John John Titer. Oh, you don't he's, know about that? Yeah, he's a guy who claimed to be a time traveler. And he came Was that the guy who who did the the stuff in the in the cobblestones and stuff like that? Uh I don't who who is the, you remember the, the like there like all over like the United States and even in some other countries there were these like things like put into like the concrete like walkways and stuff like that and it was like predicting future stuff. Um that's not a part of the John Titer that I know. Maybe it's some other individual. But that sounds fascinating too. If you got like a name for me, I'd totally love to look that up. I'll, I'll I'll definitely look it up for you because I I can't remember, but I remember like that was one of the big things we talked about. I think on that that one intermission show that me and Anthony did, where we talked about like internet mysteries mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Sweet, I love those um, things. Oh, dude, you ought to listen to that episode. It's pretty awesome. Oh, <laughs> uh, what am I? Dude, shoot me the number. I'll listen to it later. All right, we'll do. Okay. Um, the the <laughs> when they're talking about the Mandela effect, I, I was like, they're not going to mention the one that that fascinates me the most, but um, because it's it's bullshit. But uh, <laughs> the 2006 volleyball incident, if anybody remembers that, I do not. Okay, so apparently, and there's there's people out here who claim this. Um, a lot of people believe and remember in 2006 at a high school during a volleyball tournament or a basketball tournament or something, there was either a bomb that went off or a school shooting that that happened. And they all remember it taking place somewhere in the same area, but there is no record of it actually happening. And for like 10 years, Mm -hmm. people kept saying, yes, this actually happened, but there is no record of it actually happening. And people from different schools remember this. Hmm. It's one of those Mandela effect things. But you said this ended up being bullshit. I mean, I think it is. Oh, but there are but there are people that that claim that. Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, I figure when you say yeah, this was uh, bullshit, I-, I thought maybe they had proven that it was a hoax or something like that, or some people kind of got together to make like a hoax. Seem more realistic or something. I, I've seen it, that, kind of thing. that that could be the case. That's one, that's why I'm saying I think it's bullshit because it could easily be, be a bunch of people who like, or it could be one of those things of like, oh yeah, I remember that, or oh yeah, and and you know, oh I vaguely remember that because how many school shootings do we fucking have a, a, a day? Yeah, right now it's out of control. Yeah, it's it's insane. But I mean, yeah, that that was the biggest one for me. I was like, I've never heard of this before. So I was like, you know, those little iceberg pictures and stuff like that. And there's one of and it's like the 2006 volleyball incident. What the hell is that? And I started looking it up, and I'm like, what? So yeah. Anyway, that's wild. So uh, uh, we decided to go to uh, uh, what's the name of the bar? I keep forgetting what the name Marble. Is. Marble, Marble. We decided to go to the bar. Uh, because uh, Mama said that there was somebody uh, we would really be interested in talking to. And I was like, okay. So we tell Pewter, hey, we're going to the bar with Iris. And well, actually, we uh, we tell Boss that. No, we tell the yeah. boss. We tell the boss. Mm-hmm. That's right. That's right. She's very pissed off told- that uh, number eighty nine is kept on our watch, and rightfully so. You know, yeah. he's a 
He's a multiple life sentence killer, so. Serial murderer. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, uh, when we arrive, uh, in the alleyway to the bar, um, we get a, uh, attacked. We get, we get, uh, attacked by a bunch of masked dudes with assault rifles. And they try to kidnap, uh, Iris, but we stop, stop them from doing that. She joins us. And I wrote down a lot of dumb shit happens as well. <laughs> <laughs> Accurate. We, we fight, we fight these guys off with a bunch of perverted stuff. Yeah. It's, um, it's almost like this is the Metal Gear universe where you can just turn and put down a porno magazine on the ground and they're just drawn to it like magnets. And they can't keep their eyes off of it. It's like built into their brains or something. Is it just yeah. me or does some of the music actually sound a little Metal Gear in some of these scenes? Well, I could kind of see that. They do have like yeah. uh, that like espionage twang to it here and there. Yeah. And some of it looks sounds a little industrial, like the first Metal Gear. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we're, we're able to, to hold them back and we... we uh, uh, with the help of Mama, we call Mama and say, "There's a bunch of, of hunky naked dudes outside," and she comes. <laughs> <laughs> what does she yell in slow motion? Oh God, I can't remember. Oh man, but I, I love I, I love remember. I love those scenes where they have the character say the most dumbest, most ridiculous things in slow motion and just like throw it out. It's like, yes, perfect. Yeah. So we're able to uh, to stop them. So we take Iris back to our apartment, and she finally decides to come clean. Right? She's going to tell us everything that she's she she knows about. And I'll be honest with you. Throughout the rest of this playthrough, I'm kind of rolling my eyes at this. <laughs> uh, she says that there is a secret society. Se- secret society. Known as, and I've got this wrote down, Nizatlaz? Yeah, shortened for nice. 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 Mm-hmm. And they are after her. Uh, the reason why they're after her is because she has found out what they are up to. Um, they are using the Wajet system, which was why she was so nervous when we mentioned the Wajet system, and it's what we use. Uh, they're using the Wajet system. Um, to build this AI, or no, the AI is wanting them to build a radio transmitter satellite that they received the blueprints for this satellite from a radio signal that came from outer space. Yeah, not the most original sci-fi concept. <laughs> and what this AI is wanting to do is spread its systems throughout the entire galaxy so it can basically control the universe. Well, they didn't necessarily say anything about controlling or any motives of this particular quote-unquote entity. They just basically said, like, hey, it just wants to propagate, you know? Yeah. I put in my notes, looks like we got ourselves an arsenal gear in the Patriots. (laughs) The la-le-lu-le-lo. Yep, the Lali Lule Lo is now here. Yep. And they're trying to spread their AI across the universe. And their memes, of course. Their memes. <laughs> yes. It's Mormon time. God. So, uh, 
we come to the conclusion that obviously the masked men were tipped off by somebody to let us to let them know where we would be and there was only one person that knew where we were going besides mama which was the boss so we're like okay we really need to sync with iris to, to learn what she knows but we kind of don't want to do it at headquarters because the boss will be there so we call up pewter and we ask him hey is the boss there and he's like no she, she's not here cool we need to do a sync and he says okay yeah by the way there was a, the just to let you know there is another sync machine in a I guess a precinct in another city I'm guessing no no it was uh, there was so this was the original sync uh, sync machine that was created before a this prototype. one even okay. came out as a prototype exactly but unfortunately uh, something happened X number of years ago you can guess a number on that one where it was uh, stolen in transit and the culprits are at large and it was never recovered that's right so uh, we should be good to sync because the boss is not there at the current moment so we decide to uh, sync with Iris to see if we can get some more information on this whole conspiracy theory and uh, when we go into the sink, it is all based on Shovel Forge, which is the Minecraft of this universe. Yep. Uh, it's it's funny because when this game came out, Minecraft was kind of like, uh, like really, it, it wasn't new per se, but it was kind of new-ish to the point where like memes based on it weren't like played out but at the same time you figure when you put a reference like this it'll become irrelevant too quickly so yeah. it might not be a good idea but be, mine, Minecraft being what it is is just as popular if not more popular uh, today than it was before so surprisingly worked That's out for true. them <laughs> yeah so the the big draw of this is that there are two versions of virus the version that is all about the conspiracy and the you know the knives coming after her um and then there's this other version which is her doing a let's play video <laughs> of shovel forge so we have to choose who we're going to do the events in this somnium and for this playthrough we decided to do the one that's telling us about the conspiracy theories. And this is when we first start we first get the 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 cutscene that allows us to dance. I'm gonna be honest with you. Mm -hmm. I watched that first dance and I skipped all the other ones <laughs> because it's like two minutes long. That is totally fair. Yep. Yep. But after, after basically the entire time we're in the Somnium and we're agreeing with the, the conspiracy theory Iris, Iba is totally like, this is ridiculous. You don't need to go with this, but I am here to support you. Mm -hmm. So when we leave the sink, I mean, Date is full on like, yes, conspiracy theories are real. This is the aliens are trying to take over. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know if I really 
feel I don't know if I like this way right uh, and that's the the good thing about having Aiba there right kind of as a more logical reality check to Date's enthusiastic belief in Iris but at the same time think of yourself coming from Date's uh, point of view right you definitely saw um, like Iris's dead body almost like a prophetic dream earlier um, sure. And then afterwards, you discover that exact same body in the cold storage. And then after saving Iris in in the Somnium from Sosajima, she basically just magically came back and she was perfectly fine. So there's some weird, weird stuff going on. And obviously, Iris was definitely attacked and they tried to kidnap her. So there are bits of evidence here and there, circumstantial at best, certainly. But, uh, you know, still evidence nonetheless to kind of point to the idea that maybe Iris is talking some measure of truth. They might not all be true, but there might be some truth in what she's saying. Right. Yeah. Right. So, um, since this is a, a cult of, of some kind, we decide to go and talk to Oda because Oda says that he looks up a lot about cults and stuff like that. And he tells us that he's read up on this Nye's group and uh, believes that they are a satanic group that sacrifices children. And I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm kind of... Yeah, I mean, that piece, of, if nothing else, sounds pretty ridiculous. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I wrote down, we go, we then go to Sosajima's place, and I don't know why... <laughs> Uh, well, I mean, Sosajima is certainly a suspect in all of this, right? So, just kind of, yeah. like, following Lee's and stuff like that and trying to figure out what's going on, we end up at his place. And one of the things is that Sosajima clearly lied about having known Iris. Uh, because right. we were able to see his, uh, vitals to see that he was certainly lying. So we're trying to get to the bottom of it, maybe by having Iris there to kind of face him down. Maybe they might be able to get some more information. But things didn't turn out that way. No. Uh, Soshijima is is on the property, but he's way, way out there. So we use our, our fantastical zoom to see what he's doing, and he's actually talking to somebody. He's talking to Hitomi. Well, well. And when we get when we get that information, his bodyguards show up and say, get the hell out. So we get kicked out. And we're like, okay, I guess we'll we'll go to Bloom Park. So we find nothing at Bloom Park, but we do sit down and talk with Iris some more. And she goes very deep into Egyptian mythology and where the names Aset and Wajet came from. Um, I didn't write all this stuff down. Uh, Wajet was like the all-seeing eye, right? Because they kept, they kept saying like that's why the Illuminati uses like the eye. Yeah, kind of. It uh, symbolizes uh, like knowledge and power kind of deal. And she also yeah. mentions uh, uh, the idea of Horus's mother, Isis, also being uh, known as Aset. And that's kind of where uh, the name came from. From where, yeah, yeah, yeah the, the naming and stuff like that. But a lot of Egyptian gods related stuff. And I, I actually like a lot of the Egyptian mythology. I think it's my second favorite next to Norse. 
So I was I was See, totally I, into I that stuff. I know more about that. I, I don't. I know nothing of ancient Egypt. Oh, Egyptian stuff is way cool, man. They a lot of the stuff. A lot of the stuff that's based on Egyptian is one probably the originator for a lot of the myth that you're well known. Um, so if you actually delve way back into Egyptian history and the guys that they used to uh, worship, you'll actually be able to see hints of other gods that actually follow very close in the footsteps of previously established Egyptian gods. Pretty fascinating if you actually look into it. Yeah. I know American gods. That's about it. <laughs> the TV show? Well, that, I mean, the book too. But okay. Yeah. I'm actually starting that book as soon as I finish my, my book I'm work, working on right now. Oh, nice. nice. Yep. Yep, I'm going to do that. And then when I get done with that, Matt, I think we may have to do a Phoenix Down because I also purchased Ready Player 2. Oh, excellent. Yep, we may do another book club. I ha- but I'm saving that for, for me and you. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. Uh, Yep, we go back to the bar. Uh, talk with Mama. And we're like, okay, so who is this person you wanted us to meet? And she was like, well, the person was going to be a guy named uh, Futa Anamona. To which I, I heard that name and I was like, who the fuck is that? <laughs> and then, <laughs> but everybody acts surprised and I was like, and it shows Pewter. Oh, crap. Pewter. Pewter's also the one that gave uh, Renju his watch. And what does that mean, Drew? That means they're in cahoots with each other. <laughs> Not just in cahoots, but uh, they're uh, they were lovers for at least several months. And yeah. the way Renju was talking about that gift uh, from this mysterious lover that he was so proud of, it was like almost more important to him than his life like he was so defensive about about his gift and his relationship with this person so yeah that's a big revelation for sure yep so we decide we gotta find pewter so we go to hq looking for him and he is pulling an otacon <laughs> hiding it hiding in the uh, lockers and so pewter admits to everything yeah you don't even he have to admits- like torture him or anything <laughs> no. no. He admits to calling the hitmen on us. Uh, he admits to helping 89 escape. And he did it all for Renju. And while he's telling us this stuff, he tells us, don't forget, I'm the guy who created Iba. And he reaches to his, uh, his wrist and activates something and makes Iba, I guess, short out. That's what it looked like. It would look like some kind of a shock. Yeah, some kind of a shock. So we both get knocked out. And um, when we wake up, Iris is gone. Pewter's gone. Oh, crap. Um, so how do we track her? I forgot to mention this. <laughs> um, that was my phone. Sorry. Uh, I forgot to mention this, but... Uh, when we went and met with MoMA, um, and he knew that she may very well be in danger, he gave Iris a GPS tracker that she could keep. And she hid it on herself. 
Did they say where? So they said somewhere where they won't find it. Yeah, she said put it. He, it I think the, the game said she put it in her clothes somewhere. Yeah, it was the size of like a micro SD car, so it could have easily like fit into any fold in their clothes or anything like that. So very easy to hide. Yeah, yeah. I figured you put it in, like in your sock or something. Mm-hmm. Um, so we track her uh, using that GPS tracker and uh, MOBA. We tell him about it. He says, "I I'm on my way." So he shows up in a friggin' armored car. He's got his gun with him. And while we're there, Oda and Mizuki show up as well. And when we assess the situation, there's a bunch of armed guards outside the uh, the cold storage warehouse where they took her, and they have her in a van. So we have to uh, we have to do another action sequence. Um, so far, I, I've only failed one action sequence, and that got me killed, and I got a game over that Jay didn't even know existed. <laughs> uh, the, I know which one you're talking about, the Sosojima one, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. He, he shoots. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's funny, because I got the same one. <laughs> Excuse me. So, I didn't find this one very difficult, just mainly just aiming and hitting a couple of button prompts. But we're able to, uh, we saved Iris by using porn, that's what I said. In my, my, my notes here. This was the actually power. just weird, weirdly a bit of mm-hmm. a tough one for me. I was playing it on my phone, so it was kind of small. I was playing it. There was a little bit of a glare, but I I was like, I've looked at everything in this area, right? You can see the dock. You can see the barricades. You can see a crane in the background that you can't interact with. And I was just like, what? I, I don't get what else there is. I, I, I stopped it there, went inside, and like put it on the TV. And I'm like, oh, there's just a van in the background. And I don't know. I just yep. I just couldn't see it at all. To, to click on it, I th- I was doing it on the TV and I, I couldn't find the the van. I was like, "What am I missing here?" And I finally saw it. Like I started moving the cursor around until I saw something green. I was like, oh, "Okay, there it is." Yeah, I, I kept thinking it was going to be something on the building, like something was sticking out that I could drop on them, or, or you know, yeah. or a hidden door. I don't know. So we were able to uh, to save Iris. Um, we were going to take her, I guess, to our apartment I'm not sure but she felt ill so we stopped at the shrine and we're talking to her and we want to get hey what happened where did Pewter take you what like is everything okay um and she finally comes out and says I forgot to tell you the promise that I made you who came and met me at 2am while I was live streaming well it was Renju. And you went with him somewhere? Yeah, he was really desperate and he seemed like he was injured because, well, he'd just been in a car wreck, but yeah. And so she went with Renju uh, to a warehouse? Or the chemical plant. It was a chemical plant. Yeah, it's like an abandoned building chemical plant where I think where the, one of the accidents started to happen there, so it's like a quarantine area. Yep. It's in the quarantine area, and um, uh, when we walk in there, I immediately recognize it from her first Somnium. That's right. And I was like, okay, well, where were you going to take him? Where, where was he taking you? And she's like, he was going to take me through those doors, but I backed out and ran away. And the reason why you couldn't get a hold of me, because I, was, I turned off my phone because I didn't want him trying to call me. Okay. 
So we go inside the, the room there, and lo and behold, there's the prototype sink machine. Oh crap. That's when I started thinking, because Matt always brings this up. Mm. Matt uses this analogy all the time. Okay. Is there an evil sinker? <laughs> Much like how there's an evil leaper in Quantum Leap. Is there? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> That's the question. Uh, while we're examining this, uh, Iris falls on the ground, and Iba scans her and says... Whoa, she's about to die. Why? Well, don't know, but her brain functions are about to go out, and she's going to be dead in about 15 minutes. Okay, so I guess a last-ditch effort, we're going to sink with her. Maybe we can fix her from inside of her mind. And that's where I stopped. I didn't make it. You uh, guys are also close, um... It's if you did the somnium without too much difficulty, it would have been basically like maybe ten, fifteen minutes more gameplay. But uh, not much happens after that point. I'll describe the somnium to you very briefly because uh, I imagine you guys will go back and finish it anyway. So it's yeah. kind of like yeah. uh, you're you're in uh, the visual style similar to the whole shovel forge stuff, but not quite. Uh, and okay. you try to create a particular pattern on the ground. And the basic premise is that uh, when we first went to the shrine with Iris, she mentioned the story about this uh, this legendary figure and this immortal immortality fruit. That's right. Yeah, and uh, she said that there are legends saying that, like, hey, the, the fruit is actually still... Half of the fruit is still actually within the shrine. So the idea is we want to go ahead and get the fruit and uh, give it to Iris so that she will be saved. But when we go ahead and open up the shrine, we'll see that there's only a seed. There's no fruit left. So we have to grow the the fruit. Uh, we give her the uh, the fruit, and then you know she's supposed to be all better. But unfortunately, uh, she's not all better, and uh, she basically uh, dies in uh, Date's arms. And her last words, uh, looking into him, is that uh, I've been looking. Are you? And then she dies. And the interesting two I've been things. Looking are you? Yeah, uh, that's basically okay. her last words. And the two things that are well, uh, the two things that are interesting is that uh, Date doesn't know how to uh, manipulate the sync machine because it's different from the one they have at HQ. So he needs to look for manual first. Yeah, I was going to bring this up when you were done because it was very strange that the game would make you search the scene just for one manual that you don't even get any information from. Exactly. And uh, that's definitely by design if you if you see what's going to happen next. It's basically what happens is that before he puts uh, Iris into the sink machine, he reaches out towards her face, uh, like squints and like kind of does something and then they go into Somnium. And when she's out of the Somnium and when um, Date is holding her in his arms... You see that Iris's left eye is bleeding, hmm. and that's it. Huh. That's the end. Iris dies, and Date's on. Date was unfortunately not able to change Iris's fate uh, at this time around, unfortunately, and this ends up becoming the Iris's route uh, ending, which is appropriate given how much spotlight is placed on Iris in this ending. 
And uh, that's gotcha. that's it. That's the end of that. Uh, do you guys wanna? Do you have any more comments about the, what we like, you know, experience and stuff like that in this episode, or should I go to questions? Matt. Uh, no, nothing else. No, nothing I can think of. I, like to be honest with you, this branch, the Irish branch, I was just like, I don't know. Like it, it went so far away mm-hmm. from what we have played so far. I'm just like, I don't know what the hell this game is about. <laughs> yeah, and it, it's quite a bit. I mean, it, it was a big change to see people die. Like, you already, we, we played through the first path, and it's interesting, and there's questions. And then as soon as you start to branch off of that, you're like, oh, these people are dead, completely dead, like, no remorse, no, like, maybe they'll come back, they're just dead. And then mm-hmm. now, you, now it's a totally different game with, you know, with the conspiracy theories and covert organizations, so it... It it would play out as a very different game, like from a pacing perspective and from a building perspective. If you were to play it in the other du- other direction, I think because it you know if, if for example if the if the next path we play isn't that big of a change, then it almost feels like a little bit of a letdown. I wonder if there is a preferred path here to get the kind of the best story or the best. Uh, the best climax and momentum. Uh, I'm glad you brought that up, Matt, because when I was uh, bringing this game for Phoenix Down, of course, I had to do my research and due diligence to make sure that we have a an enjoyable experience and something that people can follow along. And while I was researching that, the path that we're currently on now and the path that I designated for everybody is actually the quote-unquote... Uh, uh, best path that people have uh, put into like the wiki and stuff like that as far as the 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 path that people it makes the most sense in order to make uh uh the the idea of the whole entire picture because the way that this game is laid out and drew pointed out in an interesting way says that if it was so far off from what we were doing and experiencing before because if you even consider certain factors like think of how quickly renju's body was discovered in the A pass, right? It's basically immediately after Shoko's body, we do a bit of investigation and we find Renji's body in the sunfish pocket, right? Yeah. So yeah. that happens so quickly, even before like the second Somnium or something like that that happens afterwards. So, but in terms of the Iris Somniums, Renji's basically alive and at large the whole entire game. He's yeah. doing things in the background and uh, trying to accomplish goals that, which you don't know what they are. But because of certain very minute differences uh, and actions that Date personally took, uh, all these things are different. Consider this, right? Iris stated that she went with Renju uh, because obviously you know, she trusts him and respects him for everything that he's done for him and he looked desperate. But at the same time, she was suspicious and she wasn't believing everything he was saying and she felt like she might be in danger why because date warned her initially that call that date made at the very beginning of the somnium after seeing iris's corpse changed everything imagine if you know renji was able to complete whatever he was going to do and maybe we would have found uh, iris's dead body uh, in this place instead. So this very one simple thing that changed this idea of what we experienced in the Somnium did end up changing the future, did it not? Yeah. Well, so at least at least that's what it appears. 
Right. So things to consider in that route. So I'm glad you guys are bringing up really great points because as far as as far away as it might appear to be, it could have all run the exact same way with a few very small minute differences and choices that were made. So it's it's a it's a wild west out there. Things are gonna happen. So if you guys think you've already seen like what the game has to offer, I'm not gonna try to hype up anything, but uh, I don't think you'll be disappointed with what's gonna be coming. Okay. Yeah, it's it's fascinating how different the paths play out. I mean, for better or worse, they are not minor variations on a theme. They are wildly different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. The the first one is all about trying to find this one single serial killer. And then the second one is all about a giant conspiracy with a bunch of players. So I don't know what's going on. <laughs> I, I was exactly where you guys were, so I'm never gonna be talking like you know I'm I'm superior in some way because I was just as lost as you guys were. Uh, I had I had my theories certainly, but uh, in terms of how it actually uh, turned out, I was not close. So yeah, don't I, don't I, don't I feel bad about it. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, I'm glad, uh, and all of your theories and stuff like that are all based off of evidence and intuition, and I think that's what's so fascinating about these, like, whodunit detective kind of stories, because you can, you can formulate all these, uh, theories, and if, if a storytelling is done properly, uh, whatever theory that you have at one moment based on the evidence that you've seen so far could be just as plausible as what is ultimately the truth. And kind of sharing that information and kind of bumping that stuff around, I think, is always a good experience uh, for situations like that. But if that's it, I'm going to go ahead and ask the questions and we can close out this one in a reasonable time. Let's do it. Yeah. Okay. So, Matt, you were not here uh, when we were discussing this uh, because at the end of the show and everything. So I'm going to go ahead and actually get to you first. And this is going to be your first and last chance to give me an answer. You will not be able to change it at the end, uh, because unfortunately, um, by the end of next episode, we'll, of course, know the full truth of it all. So, who is the new Cyclops killer, and why do you think it is this person? Uh, so this was one of my theories, was that it was just Date. It's, are you, are you locking um, that answer? You can, you may only choose one. All right, let's let's discuss. Why do you think it's Dot? Okay. So what, one of my theories is that it is that this was like a, a, a the whole sink machine w- was part of the police's trying to trying to understand things, not necessarily in the Doctor Strange kind of way, but just that they would use this almost I was almost thinking like minority report and like as a, a precog type of thing we're going we're gonna to predict crime, we're going to shut down crime and that Date was the first test subject but because of the way that, you know, they've mentioned I think at least twice in the game that when you are when, when you sync with someone, like you kind of rub off on them and they rub off on you a little bit. Maybe he overdid it a bit and it started to mess with his brain. And then he became the Cyclops killer and because it was a police activity, they needed to cover it up. So they wiped his mind and then they made him, you know, they reinstated him that way. So 
and, and, and maybe he's relapsing a bit, or maybe the new sinks are bringing up old, you know, remembrance of his old past when he was the original killer. That 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 was kind of one of my my theories that it's Date and that he's a pawn of the police department. Would you like to comment on that at all, Drew? I also said that in the last recording, but I don't know if I believe that now. the The theory that you have, I feel like I'm looking at this almost like a Black Mirror episode, right? Yeah, where you see all this stuff, and like a perfect example is the one the the the, the video game one, where the guy is going to go play test a video game. Yeah, and the whole thing actually happens in like 0.4 seconds. I like that episode. It's pretty fun. Yeah. It's a really That's good it. episode. Um, and and that I, I had the thought while I was playing it this time was what if Date is actually the one being interrogated and this is his sink. Somebody is sinking into him and they're seeing all of this stuff. I don't believe that now, um, but I don't know. I don't know what to believe. <laughs> for being honest, you think okay. Iris is the evil, evil leaper? I th- I think Iris. Oh, is, hold on, hold on, hold on, Drew, Drew. So, okay. Matt, are you locking okay. this answer? And Date is a new Cyclops killer, and he's the pawn of the police department and a test subject on this new developmental technology thing. I'm you I was more confident in that theory after the lo- the last recording. But I haven't seen anything that's subs- it's I've I've seen a lot of things that have raised a lot of questions. Mm-hmm. That so I, I I don't know that's that's not my only theory, but I, I I still I don't have enough to move my focus off of Date. Okay, understood. You are locked in, my my, my dude. So all right. So going back to Drew's answer from uh, last episode, he said that his current theory is that it is Hitomi. And she, she is the new Cyclops killer. And his idea was basically that a lot of the path and, um, like, story events are kind of pushed over to Iris. And a lot of the evidence and stuff like that are really against Iris at this point of time. And he believed that she and uh, Hitomi are definitely more than what it seems. And Iris is covering for her mother. And the reason why we were able to see those gruesome scenes of murder is because Iris was the bystander and he told me it was the killer. Mm. Yes. So I I like that theory, Drew, but now I give you the opportunity to rewrite history. You may change your answer okay. to whatever you'd like. Okay. So I don't believe Hitomi is. I knew that Hitomi, there was more to Hitomi than what we thought. And obviously we saw that as soon as we started this play session. Okay. Um, she's obviously connected to these people. She was connected to number eighty nine, um, and and the the Kumakuras, all that kind of stuff. But I don't think she was the killer. I don't think she is the killer. Okay. As far as who the new Cyclops killer is, I don't have a definitive answer, but I am leaning toward Iris. And why? Just as 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 a player watching this gameplay through, she is the constant. She has been in 
every situation, whether it be the main person or a side person. There's been there's been times where you know Ota has kind of taken a back step. There's been times where you know his family has his mom's not there. Um, other characters, the only characters that have been in every single thing is her and him, Dante. Mm-hmm. So and oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, even with the fact that she dies in she, most of yeah. these. And in her somnium, and in kind of "quote unquote" real life. Yeah, I. I think, Drew, if I may interject, I think your experience having played the Zero Escape game is coming in uh, to your mind, whether you realize it or not, as a bit of intuition, perhaps. Because consider yeah. the storyline. I'm not going to go into any spoilers for Zero Escape because I know Matt hasn't finished it. Um, but consider the the situation in 999 and how that rolls out. So in your scenario with this person being the constant and kind of the idea that, you know, there might be involved in more than we know, I can see that link being made. Yeah. I just, because, you know, in 999, well, I'm not going to get into spoilers. <laughs> you, can be, you can be vague about it, yeah. Yeah, I mean, in 999, you, at the very beginning of the game, you believe one thing, and at the end, it, it, it was made to make you think it was actually happening, but it wasn't actually happening. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay. And, and, and because everybody believed that it was happening, it changed things. It was all about that belief. If you get everybody to believe what's actually happening is happening... It will happen, you know. That that was kind of the big thing of like if you if you can change everybody's mind, you 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 create your own destiny kind of thing, you know. It, it's the it's the same thing of like if I continuously tell me to say that my arm hurts, eventually my arm will start hurting, right? You know. And <sighs> maybe that's how the Mandela effect started. I guess. Yeah. Uh, one person said, "I I thought Mandela died in 1980," and then other people were like, "Yeah, you're right, he did, right?" And then there's some people who believe it, and some people who don't. So, I, I'm going to go ahead and lock in the answer. I, I'm I'm probably wrong, but I'm going to lock in the answer that the new Cyclops killer is. Iris. Right. So think about it this way. This isn't a competition. You're not going to get a gift card for getting this right. It's all about sure. being, having, having an, a, a theory that you're most confident in amongst the myriad of ones that are, I, I assume, are running through your minds as far as, as far as the possibilities go. And that's why these answers are always limited to one. If I basically roll down uh, the sleeves and say, like, hey, what do you guys think is, is, is happening? And if you guys gave me every single scenario that you guys can possibly think of, the likelihood is that you guys will probably nail it in at least one of whatever, like, dozens that you guys will come up with. So yeah, being yeah. able to, like, having to choose one, that kind of makes you have to take ownership of it and kind of have to end up justifying that situation more. So the idea is that when you're actually playing through the game, you'll remember your choice 
And whether you would you want to or not, subconsciously you'll always be digging for information that actually validates your truth. <laughs> that have a, a prime example. Go back and listen to the, our first Dong and Rampa. That's exactly right. And yeah. that's but if, and and I was seeing things. I was like, dude, this totally makes sense. <laughs> I did it. They're dead. I'm right. They're they're freaking dead. <laughs> like we're we're three episodes into freaking Dong and Rampa, and we find that room where. What looks like a bunch of people got murdered. I'm like, that's it. That's where they all died. Like, I've I've solved the case. <laughs> yeah, but I, I will say this. I, I while while Iris may not be the Cyclops killer, there is something there is something about her. There's something about her. There is more to Iris than than what we have been let let known, and I, I firmly believe that. Yeah, and uh, is it, yeah. is, it a, is she a good person? Is she a bad person? I don't know. the 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 end goal is who is killing these people? So obviously, I have to go with the 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 you know the common denominator. Mm-hmm. And the common denominator is either going to be either Date or or Iris. I don't believe it's I don't believe it's Date. I believe it is Iris. Okay. I mean, I think you guys both major cases very well in terms of everything that we've witnessed so far, and it is definitely a lot. You know, it's a lot to digest for sure. And like Matt mentioned, there is contrary information depending on what side of the the, the flow chart that we're on. So it can be a little difficult to make uh, heads or tails about it. But if you consider this, that this entire story, regardless of what time, uh, time, you know, line or what flowchart area that you're on, take it as a huge jigsaw puzzle. A piece that you're connecting and putting together on this one end will seemingly have no relevance to what you're doing over here on this upper left corner. But when you start putting the pieces together, and especially when those middle pieces start coming in together, you'll see that it's a lo- it's a it's, it's a piece of the larger whole. And at the very end of it, uh, it will all make sense. Hmm. So that's that's where we are. Any uh, any additional thoughts about uh, what what you guys uh, what you guys feel or you know anticipate uh, for the last possible last episode coming up? I have no idea where this is going to go. I, I really don't. I, you know what I would like to see? Mm-hmm. I would love to see a branch or a path where nobody dies. Mm. Not a single person dies. Maybe Shoko, because everything has to start. Everything has to start with with the discovery of her body. But I would love to see. Yeah, like, these people died on this branch. These people died on this branch. I want to see one where nobody dies. Well, do you do you think you can do that, Drew? No, <laughs> no. <laughs> you have the power of the flowchart in front of you. Why not? This is true. Mm-hmm. Maybe maybe it is that thing. Maybe 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 this whole flowchart thing is part of the game, and we are experiencing the Mandela effect, and. 
perhaps we can change the future yeah. where nobody actually dies. Maybe that's what we're trying to do. Maybe we're trying to to make sure nobody gets killed. Uh, I love the mention of the Mandela effect. Uh, let me highlight it specifically because think about what we have been doing. Uh, oh, did oh did that happen in that? In that ending path, uh, oh, did did we do the thing with the TV? It's like, oh no, we definitely did that. Uh, and then we're basically second guessing ourselves constantly because we are witness of these parallel universes. So when they bring up Mandela effect, we're like, shit, we're literally going through this right now. <laughs> this entire story yeah. is this. Yeah. So, is that a part of the overarching plot? That's the question that uh, you can ask for yourself. But um, the fact that it entertains these theories in a way where if you actually take a step back at what you're doing, it ends up becoming very, very amusing because, uh, yeah. Very meta. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, in, in a way that you wouldn't uh, recognize right away, but I am I'm frankly loving this second playthrough that I'm doing with you guys because when you're talking about a game where it's the storyline is obviously the most important part of it, right? So... Yeah. Yeah. Second playthrough means I basically know what's everything's going to happen. But what happens is that everything that I knew going in, uh, as someone that knows what's going to ultimately happen and what the bigger arching plot point is, I end up starting to notice so many little details. And by the end of it, like by this point, I'm thinking to myself, like, how could not how I not have picked up on all these hints? And foreshadowing that this game has been giving me. It's like a, it's like a machine gun aimed at my face of obvious hints and foreshadowing and I just miss every single one of them in my first playthrough and I was like, God, am I dumb? And then I realize hindsight is of course 2020, right? So. <laughs> That's just how it goes. Yeah. But maybe at some point in time when we finish the game, if you guys like it enough, maybe you go back for a second playthrough a couple years from now and you guys will be able to enjoy the same kind of experience that I am now. Gotcha. Yeah, it does seem like a game better than most for a second playthrough. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like you know rewatching the Sixth Sense. Yeah, yeah, that that's a very good uh, comparison. Yep. But there you go, Jay. You got anything else for us? No, that's it. So basically, just to lay out where we're gonna be going, um, not many paths we have left over. To be frank, uh, we have seen okay. most of the game uh, has to offer. We've seen basically, I think. Uh, three-fourths of the game so far, so only a quarter left. So the path that we're going to start in is actually on the Iris Somnium and the Shovel Forge Somnium, uh, the first one that is. And basically we're going to choose not to believe her. Um, I think this is probably the path that we would have ended up taking initially because I don't think any of us really believed into the whole conspiracy theory of side of things, right? I think we're pretty skeptical in that way. So if you choose not to believe her, something very different happens. And that's the path that we're going to follow all the way down. And once you follow that line all the way down to a place where you can no longer follow, you can go back to the other place um, and finish that uh, timeline with the big reveal with the boss. And then from there, we can go back and, you know, complete the true ending. I will say... uh, you know, I would want our final discussion to be something that where we're discussing about all facets of the game, and not just like what happened. Do you guys want mm-hmm. to go ahead and make it 
uh, two weeks long, so you guys can really take your time and like digest what's uh, what the game has to offer, and then have like some talking points and stuff like that, and then do it. Because I don't want to like rush you guys for the finale, because there's a lot of like really like lore related dumps and stuff like that. And I feel like if you guys are kind of rushing to just finish it in time in one week, you guys might uh, miss out on. Do you want to do it uh, in two weeks time from now, so that we have ample time to just finish the whole thing in one shebang? We could do that. Matt, how, how do you feel about that? Yeah, I, I think I think that sounds good. Okay. Okay. So we'll reco- we'll reconvene in two weeks then, and we'll have the final final thing, the the true ending branch. I'm assuming. Yeah, that's right. Is, the true ending branch. It, is it is it like as long as the AA and the AB? Um. So the true ending branch uh, branches off from a certain point on the next okay. uh, path that we're gonna be playing. So right. it's one of those situations where it's going to stop us at some point, and we can't prog- progress any further. But there is a good amount of gameplay left, and uh, because there's a lot of stuff that you can do and kind of go back into, I want to make sure that everyone has enough time and they're not like, in a rush to finish everything. Okay, yeah. uh, no, that should that should be fine then. Okay. Well, that's uh, but that's uh, that's going to wrap up this episode. Um, if you would like to send us an email, it's drew at ztgd.com. Uh, you can also tweet to us. I am at DML Fury. Matt is at REMGS. And Jay is at Batuside J. The podcast itself is at ZTGD Phoenix Down. Uh, but send those emails. I know there's at least one person playing along with us. I want to hear everything you got to talk about this game. Um, and yeah, that's. I think that's pretty much it. I appreciate everybody listening. Thank you so much. This one was a little bit shorter. Uh, by about an hour, so <laughs> <laughs> nice. We're we're good there. Uh, but until next time, I'm Drew, and I'm Matt, and I'm Jay, and we are out of here. Hope you guys have a great week, and we'll be back in two weeks with the conclusion of AI: The Somnium Files. <laughs>